I've had a terrible start to this day. I tried all this week to keep my heart pure, not be angry, not curse, and then I got stuck on Pulaski Road in a flood. And all was good up until just before getting to the flooded area. Turns out that there's one lane in the middle out of three where a car could get through. And, and a guy let me in. I didn't have to beep, I didn't have to be aggressive, he just let me in. So, wow, okay, God has a plan. I get in there and I said, I'm gonna be nice. And let a, this other lady in, or whoever he was. And halfway hesitant, halfway hesitant, and while she was hesitating, four other cars got in front of me and made it through the middle. And I got mad. And I said, what happened to purity? What happened to the spirit of the Lord? You know, but I know God loves me. Well, good morning. I'm here today because Pastor Calvin and Diane are driving Diane's mom back to Atlanta. You may have noticed that the pastor has preached on the work of the power of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers. In recent sermons, he pointed out that the difference between one who is saved in Christ and one who is outside the fold of Christ is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's the mark or sign of a Christian. I had a set of PowerPoints, but they're not set up, and so I will describe what was going to be shown. But he did show us in Romans 8, for the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Whoever you are not of the flesh, but of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to him. Today we're still going to be in the letters of Paul, and we're going to explore the significance of the indwelling of the Spirit of God in the context of wisdom. He contrasts the wisdom of the believer to worldly wisdom, or wisdom of the flesh. One is true wisdom, the other is false wisdom. In fact, the wisdom of the flesh is foolishness. One of the inserts that Ed handed out for me is today's text, 1 Corinthians 2. In his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul was addressing a Christian community in crisis. Christians were aligning with different Christian leadership within the city to the point where there was division among them, factions. Christians were focusing on the messenger over the message. When the pandemic hit, my sister became a television fan of Joel Osteen. I know she was attracted to the message because of, her, because of the image, not because, because her English isn't that good. She found him charming. I've listened to young men over the years aspiring to ministry say they preferred Andy Stanley to Charles Stanley, his father, or they were fans of Rick Warren, or James MacArthur, or Francis Chan, all great communicators, men they wanted to emulate. Referring to the controversy, Paul said, and when I came to you, brothers and sisters, 
I did not come as someone superior in speaking ability or wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I also was with you in weakness and fear and in great trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of mankind, but on the power of God. Paul was one of the elites. His social background, religious credentials, education were second to none. Yet he was a persecutor of Christians. He participated in the killing of the first recorded Christian martyr, Stephen, holding the coats of those who stoned him to death. In Luke's history of the early church, Luke says, Paul ravaged the church, entering house after house, dragging away men and women and putting them in prison. Then, suddenly, without any desire of his own, Paul encountered Jesus. He got a figurative smack on the head and could not escape his destiny to be in Christ. Expert in oral argument, proficient in philosophy, superbly educated, a highly educated Jew who was also of all things a Roman citizen, puffed up in status. He knew better than anyone that his salvation did not come from within himself. It came in the power of the Holy Spirit who opened Paul's eyes to what he did not, he could not on his own understand. The mystery of God revealed, Jesus Christ. Paul knew better than to present himself to the Corinthians as a lecturer or debater or because of his social standing or personal charm. He came to proclaim Christ crucified, not himself. We don't know what he told the people of Corinth. Did he quote from the Old Testament? Did he preach the prophets? Did he present a history of God starting with the creation? Adam, Noah, and Abraham? Did he talk about Moses, the Ten Commandments, and the years in the wilderness? Did he model himself after the martyr Stephen? Luke reports that Stephen went through all that history and used his most persuasive speech and his persecutors literally covered their ears as he was speaking and in the end picked up stones and killed him. Paul's single-minded goal was to tell the good news about Jesus. Jesus, the crucified. Jesus, the bearer of our sin. Jesus, the resurrected. Jesus, the promise of eternal life to those who believe. It was and is all about Jesus. We're focusing on 1 Corinthians 2, but Paul laid the foundation for this chapter in 1 Corinthians 1. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the understanding of those who have understanding. I will confound. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block, to the Gentiles, foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than mankind, and the weakness of God is stronger 
than mankind. Luke reports that Paul once journeyed to Athens where philosophers heard him in the synagogues and invited him to speak in one of the philosophers' forums. He spoke about Jesus, and as a group, they scoffed. Yet Luke said, some, some believed. Have you wondered how you came to the point of belief? Were you won over by words or the power of God? I've often wondered why I believe while others do not. In the book of Revelation, we're told that when Christ returns, rulers of the world and populations numbered like sand in the sea will rise up to resist God. Why? Consider the thief on the cross next to Jesus. One of the criminals were hanged there and hurling abuse at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other responded and rebuking him said, do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our crimes. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. One believed and one did not. Or consider the centurion in charge of the crucifixion. And when the centurion who was standing right in front of him saw that he died in this way, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. This is a centurion who only hours before commanded a squad of men to pound nails into Jesus' hands and feet. Where Paul, the criminal, the centurion, went over by debates, lectures, charming personalities, or sermons, Paul says they were won over by the power of God. Faith, the ability to believe what is not seen, is a product of the power of God, not the wisdom of mankind. But Paul isn't saying that wisdom is absent. The wisdom of the world is defined by judging and acting rightly based upon human experience, knowledge, and understanding. How limited is our experience? How much do we know? What do we really understand? Who are the wise? I had a PowerPoint ready. Who leads our nations? The picture was of Trump, Biden, Macron in France, Putin in Russia, Zelensky in the Ukraine, Fauci in the health department. Who are these that lead our nations? Who tells us what to buy, drive, or wear? I had a picture of a Korean-American young woman who touts clothes and beauty lotions and has 1.7 million followers. I had pictures of the Microsoft guy, Bill Gates. I had a picture of Elon Musk, the electric car guy. I had pictures of Jeff Bezos. Who are those that lead us in what to buy, drive, or wear? Who defines great art for us? I had a picture of the Mona Lisa. 
As long as I've been alive, I've never understood why people tell me the Mona Lisa is this great, wonderful work of art. I look at it, it's worth hundreds of millions of dollars in the market, and I still say, why? Who tells us that this is art? I had a picture of seven women from Minnesota, all of them doctors, who raised $400,000 to lead a campaign that fought back the law to prohibit abortion. Eight women doctors, handsome women, smart women, successful women. I had a picture of a doctor that's about 60 years old, beautiful, except she looks beautiful as a woman, but she's a man. And she's a pioneer, or he is a pioneer in surgical transformations in gender. An internationally renowned surgeon. Who tells us what to worship? I had pictures of Koresh and the guy Jimmy, whatever his name was, that had those people kill themselves. I had pictures of a coconut where I attended an Indian wedding and people bowed before the coconut in worship. I had pictures of people burning incense to Buddha. Who tells us who to worship? How wise am I? How wise are you? Yet we speak, yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, Paul says. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age had understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, which have not entered the human heart, all that God has prepared for those who love him. Paul's proposition is that the wisdom of God is a mystery, and all other wisdom is foolishness. Let me ask you a question. Do you know me? Some of you have known me for decades. I am probably one of the most transparent men you know. What do you see? Well, mostly what you see is what you get. Are there things you don't know about me? Sure, lots of things. I like to sit next to Emmett Coleman from time to time because I find him interesting and I like to tease him a little. I'm not sure how it came about, but Emmett and I were talking about science fiction novels, particularly The Martian. And Emmett asked what else I was reading. And that triggered something in me. And I wrote Emmett a long letter, and I gave it to you, revealing some of my formative reading history. As I reflected, no one had ever asked me that question before. And I realized that a reading list reveals a lot about oneself. I'm a romantic. I have a bit of machismo. I'm bloodthirsty. I struggle between worldly thoughts and wanting to be all in for God. I have anger management problems that I have struggled with all my life. I've said to Jane many times, except for Christ, I'd be in jail. I'm a bit brokenhearted today 
Because on Wednesday, Jane and I drove our beloved 21-year-old cat, Pinky, to the vet to be put down. Jane and I cried in the car. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among people know the thoughts of a person except the spirit of the person that is in him? So also the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. We also speak these things not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. There are things about me you don't know, that even Jane doesn't know. Only I know, and only I can reveal. If this is so with us, it is more so with God. Only God knows God, and the Holy Spirit is God. So God, through the Holy Spirit, unveils to us the mystery of God's plan for his renewal of his creation and our hope. Paul encountered the mystery of Jesus Christ, resisted and only understood according to the power of God working in him. Our coming to faith, our coming to faith is the power of God revealing the mystery of our salvation, Jesus Christ. Why do some believe and some don't? I don't know. Paul laments in Romans 9 about his Jewish people, his brethren, who cannot understand. I love my grandsons so much, sometimes my heart feels like it's bursting. And I pray for them that God, in his spirit and power, will show himself to them so that they will believe, so that I will know them in paradise. I weep for you who hear and cannot believe. Last week, we learned that there is an exclusionary aspect to being in the kingdom of God. Paul repeats the theme. But a natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. But the one who is spiritual discerns all things, yet he himself is discerned by no one. For who has known the mind of Christ that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Each of us who believe has the mind of Christ. We have been allowed to know God by his spirit as Jesus knows God. Now we see ourselves in a world through God's eyes. We discern spiritual things. We are wise, no longer foolish, there are three applications I want you to consider. You are the messenger, not the savior. Don't be afraid to present Jesus. You carry the spirit of God within. Let the spirit of God carry you. God will do the work. For the church, each believer is given gifts for the spirit, of the spirit for building up God's kingdom. Not all of us are scholars or talkers, be just who God made you to be. But from time to time, you will be called to testify to the mystery of God. Not because you want to, 
but because God wants you to. I'm not an evangelist. Yet over the decades, I've been presented with situations where I had to fumble and stumble into presenting Jesus. In sort of desperation and a sense of inadequacy, I've resorted to drawing pictures on napkins, handing over a four spiritual law tract, giving away Jane's Bible to a stranger on an airport bus, or voicing a prayer at a family gathering. Did anyone come to faith? I don't know. I felt powerless. I am powerless, but God knows. I just had an irresistible urge to point a finger in the direction of Jesus. What matters according to Paul is not what I said or did. It's what the Spirit of God will do. Application two. You have the mind of Christ. Because of the Holy Spirit in you, you can discern what God desires of you while those around you outside the kingdom cannot. You see yourself and the world as God sees it. Your life is not futile like those who do not know God. Despite what the world may say in ignorance or mockery, you know where it's at. You know the truth that counts. Application three. Today is Communion Sunday. We use the symbol of grape and bread to remind us of our sins, our redemption, and the price Jesus paid for our recovery from death to eternal life. We understand that our worth is not in this world, but in the world to come. Last week, billionaires and millionaires in a deep sea vessel were blasted into the other side. Kids eating in a pizzeria in Kiev were blown to bits by a missile. Jesus told the thief on the cross that for him, the other side was paradise. Perhaps today is the day you realize at last that the mystery has been revealed to you and you understand and believe. You realize that God loves you and has a plan for your life. You realize that you are a helpless sinner. You realize that through Jesus and the cross, God has provided a path towards forgiveness, redemption, and eternal life. You accept this and allow the Spirit of God to heal your soul and transform your mind. You chose wisdom over foolishness. You chose life in the Spirit over death. You chose citizenship in the kingdom of God. For this choice you made, we praise God and we say amen.